Good morning. It is a blessing to be here with you this morning, and I, I thank you for the prayers on behalf, and I join the elders to welcome you here. This morning, uh, as a continuation of our Proverbs study, we're going to talk about building character. And I have a picture up here of a little boy with a shovel, and I think that's something that you know we all, at some point when we were young, got handed a shovel or a dish rag or something like that, and they said, it builds character, get it done. And we've all had those experiences, the, the, the trials that you go through that someone handed you and said, okay, this is going to build character for you. We all went through those things, but what exactly did it build in us? You know, you, you kind of think about that, and character is just kind of that vague ethical thought, maybe uh, some, some good work ethic or something. It's just kind of on the border of, of a definition. We don't really quite have one for it. And I had to think about it too when, when I was given this subject. I had to think, well, what, what is ethics? What is character in, the, in, this, in this passion? I said ethics and I meant character. What is character? Well, if you think about it in a couple of the definitions, one definition is simply a set of ethics that pertains to your work or, or when no one is looking, those types of things. But the more general definition of the word character is in essence who you are. The uh, things that define you as an individual, your habits, your, your nature, your, uh, your emotions, the things that make up you. And, and a little bit morbidly, the best definition I could think of, or the best example I could think of for this was, what about a funeral? If you go to a funeral, someone has passed away, and someone is going to stand up in a little bit, and they are going to talk about that person. And they're going to bring out the fine points in their lives or major points in their lives so that you understand who they are. They're going to talk about the type of person they are so that you understood who they were. They're going to try to sum up that person in as, in as few words as possible and explain them to you. They're going to tell you their character. All right, that's our character. You know, whether you're a happy person, cheerful, a hard worker, lazy, whether you or the kind of person who opens the door for someone else, whether you're a person who's always in a hurry or a person who's lagging. Those things make up our character. Now, we start out young with a shovel and we're told, okay, build character. But what are we building towards? Do we have a finite set of, of goals that we want to build our character towards? What kind of person are we looking to be in this? Now, if you get a little older and you start looking at the people around you, it's easy to, to define character in other people. In Proverbs 20 and verse 9, it says, Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. You know, it's easy to look at someone else and say, Oh, well, this person's character looks like this. It's easy to, to take a step to the side and go, Oh, well, that person is a happy person, or that person is an angry person. It's very easy. But what about when it comes to looking at your own self, when, when you're trying to define your own character? Sometimes that can be really difficult. And uh, a lot of times we, we have a hard time getting a clear image of what that looks like. Sometimes we don't want to see it. But uh, I think that a lot of times we, we don't take the time to try to see it. We simply go on and we don't think about it. So this morning, in a building character study, I would like for us to go ahead and try to examine our own character and kind of see what we're looking like. Kind of, kind of take a look on the inside for a little bit. 
And then I would like to, like us to look at steps that we can use to uh, get rid of bad character traits and build up character traits that God wants us to have. And we'll do this while we're studying in Proverbs. The first thought is uh, there's always a little bit of denial about uh, the need to change. And uh, I, I got a picture up here. It says, of course, I'm awesome. Jesus loves me. And I think we can all relate to that feeling sometimes. We all get there. But Jesus loves us for who we are, right? It, it sounds right. It's really close. We know that Jesus loves us in Romans 5 and verse 8. It says, but God committeth His love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Okay, we were sinners. He loved us. Everything's good. What need have we to change? What, what's the, the deal here? But when we, when we read that phrase, Jesus loves who I am, we kind of change that and we make it say, Jesus loves me and therefore accepts me, is what we try to make that say. Because Jesus does love you, but love does not mean acceptance. If you go to Proverbs 3 and verse 11 through 12, it says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. It says, when God loves you, He's going to tell you when you're messing up. When God loves you, He's going to correct you. Just like, because I love my son, I give him spankings. That's what He's talking about here. If you go to Proverbs 14, verse 12 through 16, it says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but, from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. You think about whenever someone is corrected. You know, perhaps they're reading in Bible. Perhaps someone says something to them. They say, you know, there's something about your character that's a little off here. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're a little bit unkind. A lot of times our first reaction is denial. Instantaneous. Not me. I don't do that. It says that a wise man listens to reproof. We read that in the chapter beforehand. You go down here and it says, A wise man feareth and departs from evil, but a fool rageth and is confident. Starts blustering. You know, I don't do that. Or, well, you know, there's a reason that I act this way. And, and so-and-so, and, and she said, and coming up with reasons. But when you start looking at your character, I think it's important that we remember one thing. Psalms chapter 10 and verse 4-6 through 6 says, The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of His thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above out of His sight. As for all His enemies, He sneers at them. He has said in His heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. The wicked says, I'm not going to change because I'm not wrong. The wicked people say that. Now you look at Proverbs 15 verse 8. It says, The, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is His delight. God says, even when wicked people are doing good things, it's not okay. He said, it's still not going to be accepted. And so when we start examining our own character, when we start looking at our own self, and we start trying to say, oh, well, it's not a big deal, or, well, I'm not wrong, or I don't need to change that. Jesus loves me for who I am. We need to recognize that Jesus loves you. But He's asked you to change. 
And God requires that from you. It's not acceptable otherwise. He wants your best. And He wants you to be upright. And He wants you to, your character to be upright. Now, the first step in, in, in making changes is recognizing where you are. If you're in a, a mall, which is what i got a picture of here is a mall map. I, I, I'm going to be the first to confess, I am terrible at places like that. I get so turned around. Hospitals, malls. And I love these signs because I come up to them and it's got this big star or dot and it says, you are here. I'm going, good. Which direction's north? <laughs> but if you don't know where you are, how do you know where you're going to get to your destination? How do you know which directions to take? If, if someone's trying to give you directions to Dallas and you don't even know where you're at, how are they going to guide you there? Do they start giving you directions from Gainesville or from Richardson or from Fort Worth? You need to know where you are. <clears throat> if you look at uh, Proverbs 15, verse 31 through 32, it says, The ear that hears the rebuke of life will abide among the wise. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. We touched on this for a second, but one of the important places to find out where you are is when someone corrects you. So if Michael comes to me and he says, Luke, uh, you talk too much. I need to listen. That's going to where I'm going to find out where I'm at. If I have a problem, sometimes a little bit of pride can blind us really easily. We just kind of have just a little bit of rose tint in there, and we just glide right over our own issues. But if someone comes to you and they say, hey, you know, you might have a problem here. Listen to them. They're trying to help you. Heeding rebuke is very important. Proverbs 6 and verse 20 through 23 says, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law of light, reproofs of instruction are the way of life. How many people that are older than you have given you wisdom over the years? Whether it be that you are... And a grown-up right now, or have children, grandchildren, you probably still have parents or aunts and uncles, elders in the church, people who will give you advice. If you're a young person right now, you're under the direct authority of your parents. They give you commands. They give you advice. It's important that we listen. You see, these things, they're the way of life. They're a light to our path. They're going to tell us how we ought to act the type of character we ought to build. We need to remember these things. And I think the most important tool we have for discovering where we are is James 1, verse 21-25. It says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. But be not doers of the Word, and hear, and, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets the kind of man he was. But he who looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. He starts out saying, I want you to look at the Bible. Receive the engrafted word. Our Bible, the scripture in there, is the engrafted word. It's the commandments of God. And when we read through Scripture, it tells us how powerful 
God's Word is. Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That can divide us under the soul and spirit. You know, God's Word has a powerful ability to get in there and, and let you know when you're messing up. It convicts. It really does. And uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that God's Word has correction, has doctrine, reproof, instruction, righteousness. It has everything we need. It tells you what you ought to be doing, where you might be messing up, how to fix it, and how to do it better in everything about life. It tells us everything we need to know. So if you're looking at yourself and you're trying to find out who you are and where you're at with your character, a lot of time reading Scripture is important. You go through there and you start reading. The Bible tells you everything about life. So when you get to a spot where it says, you need to be this way, and you're over here instead, you're going to know. The Bible, unlike some people you meet, will not be just nice and polite and not say anything. The Bible, unlike some people that you meet, won't sugarcoat things. It won't try to make it so that your feelings aren't hurt. It's going to tell you the truth. You can't edge around it. If you're reading the Bible and you're looking for God's truth, it will tell you. And it will help correct you. And it will help you find out exactly where you are in your character. It's one of the most important tools that we have. But once you've accomplished this and you find out where you are, you need to keep your focus on the changes. How often have we done this right here where you go, man, Sunday I heard a good sermon and uh, I really need to change that. Oh, look, someone liked me on Facebook. We are like a goldfish. We have this really easy way of forgetting what we need to be focused on. We need to keep our mind focused on the changes. When you say, okay, I've read some Scripture and I found out that I have something in my character that does not match up with what Jesus wants me to have. i found some places where I need to grow stronger. Keep those changes focused in your mind. You see, I've got a sticky note there and it says pray on it. Little reminders are very important. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 2 Keep my commandments and live, and my laws as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the table of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the moral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. He said, bind them on your fingers, and write them on your heart, that you may live. Okay, I guess, and this is way before my time, So I'm just kind of stretching with this one. But I guess at that time, they actually put little strings on their fingers to help remind them of things. And we've probably heard that. Do you need to put a string on your finger because you can't remember it? He's saying, put something on there to remind you. He said, write it on the table of your heart. Now, if something is in your heart, that means it's right where you can get to at any time. So if you're going to put the commandments on your heart, you've got, got them where you can get to them any time. You've studied those words and you've thought about those words and you've poured over those words so that you remember them. You've got them memorized. Now, if you go to Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11, it says, How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you're having a character problem and you think, okay, 
I need to make this adjustment. What's going to help keep this focus in your mind? Take you a sticky note. Write out the passages on it that pertain to the problem you have. Stick it on your mirror. Put one in your pocket. Send yourself an email. Put it on the top of your lunchbox. Whatever you need to do to help keep that at the forefront of your mind so that you're thinking about it. You're focused on that. Because if you just, oh, someone liked me on Facebook and then you go on about your day, you're not working on fixing the problem. Remember the definition of character was the habits that we form? You think about most of the things where you may have a problem in your character. There are things that you habitually do. Maybe you habitually get angry. Maybe you habitually open your mouth when you shouldn't. Maybe you habitually are lazy and shirk shirk your duties. Maybe you habitually tell gossip. You know, these are things that are habits. There's something that you've gotten so used to doing that you just do it without thinking about it. So when you keep these things at the forefront of your mind, you take these thoughts, what God thinks about this, and you're constantly looking at them. You're putting those there so that you're thinking about those things and you're not going to be doing something without thinking about it because you're thinking about it. That sounds a little confusing. You've got it at the front of your mind so that you're not going to subconsciously be doing the opposite. You've constantly got it there. But you're going to need some help with that. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. Uh, Proverbs 4 and 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. I know a lot of us uh, should and, and do a little bit of reading in the mornings or in the evenings. Maybe we take a little time for some prayer. I advised you that we need to take a few minutes right before that time, and we need to stop and take a look at our heart. You know, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, it says that if we would judge our own selves, we would not need to be judged. If you'll take some time and examine yourself and compare it to what you've been taught in Scripture... If you'll take some time and go, okay, here's the problem I've got. How am I doing on this? Where am I slipping up at? You know, what can I do to correct these things? Is my heart in this? Why am I doing this? Take some time to examine your heart. You need to keep your focus on the problems. The problems are in your heart. Out of the heart pours all these things. We need to keep our focus on these things if we're going to fix them. If we're going to build them stronger. But another part of keeping your heart is clearing the way for it. Uh, I know that Michael talked about this some in his sermon where he brought up the scripture in Proverbs that says that, you know, the wise foresee a problem up ahead and they move away, but the simple pass on and get punished. Danny talked about it. He said, if you keep getting into a situation over and over, isn't that kind of silly? Shouldn't you... uh, Find out that guy that makes you so angry and quit talking to him or or have yourself a ready answer so that it doesn't make you angry. When you're examining your heart, if you realize that there's situations or people that make your character a little issue to adjust, you need to make adjustments for it. Be careful who your friends and advisors are. Be careful about the stumbling blocks in your way. i got a picture of a nice angry guy up here. Proverbs uh, 22 and verse 24 through 25 says, make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Have you ever been with that guy who's just angry all the time? 
they, they just get cranky about this. And eventually, you're worked up too. Even if it's just mad at him for being mad all the time. You get worked up. Those things rub off on you. How about when you're around the person who's cheerful all the time? That's kind of hard to stay mad or sad whenever you're around that person, isn't it? These things have an effect on us. If you look at uh, Proverbs 1 and verse 10 through 14, uh, and verse 14 through 15, it says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse, they say. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. Very beginning of Proverbs, he gives them instruction. He says, these people, don't go near them. There's actually several stories in Proverbs that go right along those lines. And when we think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Let's say you're trying to quit smoking. I know that not all of us do that, but it's something that's fairly common. We see it a lot. If you go somewhere where everyone there is smoking, it's going to make it really hard. Maybe you're, you're trying to quit habitual talking, where you just talk all the time. If you go to a quilting guild, just using that as the, the, uh, the old, whatever that word is. Some people used to say a lot. Anyways, <laughs> if you go there, that's not going to help you with that. You've you got to think about where you're going and how that's going to bother you. If, uh, if you're having other types of character problems, like laziness, and you think that, well, anytime the boss isn't looking, you can get away with taking a couple minutes to you know, play on your phone, maybe you should make sure that there's always someone watching you at work if you can swing that. Take the stumbling blocks out of your path. When Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, What was one of the things he taught them to pray? He said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If we can avoid these temptations, if we can examine our heart and find out where we're at, how much easier does it make it? It, There's a passage in Proverbs that says, in a multitude of sins there wanteth not, in a multitude of words there wanteth not sin. That teaches an idea there. You think about it, if you're throwing darts at at a board, If you only have one dart to throw, how likely is it that you're going to hit a bullseye? Not as likely. But if you have ten darts to throw, the more chances, the better shot you have. Well, if you're looking at your life, and there's just just temptation after temptation after temptation all throughout your day, how hard is it going to be to overcome those? Whereas if you remove as many of the temptations as you can, and you get one there that you can focus on, you say, okay, I know this is going to happen, or... When this comes, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm going to beat it. I'm going to walk over it. And we're going to get past it. Whereas if you're just constantly being hit, it's a lot more likely you're going to fail at some point. Remove some of those temptations. Look ahead. Study your heart so you know where to look. Find those temptations and remove them. In Proverbs 26 and verse 20, it says, Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no talebearer, strife ceases. Whenever you get put in a situation with people or objects, if you remove yourself from them, there's no wood for the fire. Get out of there if you don't need to be there. Now, on the other side of that, you know, we can't remove ourselves from people entirely, and sometimes we even need help. Oh, 1 Corinthians 15.33 and verse 34 says, "Evil uh, Be not deceived. Evil co- company corrupts good habits. 
Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. On the other side of this, evil communications corrupt good manners, but sometimes we need help and good communications can help us. We need wise counselors. You see a guy here who's sharpening his blade. That takes us to Proverbs 27 and 17. It says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. All right, we, we think about this verse and we say, Yeah, we need friends who are going to help us. Take it a step further. How are they going to help you? If, uh, if you're just feeling like maybe in, in your character you need a little more strength, you need a little more faith, maybe you need to read your Bible a little bit more, but you're having a hard time getting that as a habit. You know, you, you do it for a little bit and then you kind of fall off the wagon. You do it for a little bit and then you fall off the wagon. What you need is some accountability. That's something that's very good that we can use our brothers and sisters here to help us. Find someone who, who does that already. And get on track with them. Maybe start reading the same scriptures that they're reading. And just tell them, hey, would you give me a call? I'll give you a call. Just once a day, shoot me a text. Did you read it? That'll help you a lot. That accountability. You see in Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9 through 10, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Whenever you're struggling, or whenever you're having a hard time building your character up or correcting it, you need some help sometimes. If you fall down, you fall off the wagon, who's going to help you pick you back up? If you're just trying to do it by yourself, if you don't ever tell anyone, and I know that uh, we go back to that pride thing that we talked about at the very beginning. When you have a character flaw, one of the other things we do is we kind of try to cover it up, smooth it out. We don't have to tell anyone. I'll get it fixed, and then we'll go on like nothing happened. Doesn't work that way. Really doesn't. People probably already know. But either way, trying to do it by yourself, it's not the way God instructed you to do it. It's certainly not the easy way. You need to get it fixed. You need to use every tool and resource you have. you got to step out there. And in Proverbs 6 and verse 6 through 8, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. One of the things that we can use in other people is good examples. An ant can be a good example if you're looking for industry. If you're looking for someone who has overcome lust issues... Maybe go talk to the elders. See if they can help you. Maybe if you're looking for someone who is industrious, find someone who's a good worker. Go and watch them. Ask them questions. Hey, how would you overcome something like this? How do you get these, develop these habits that you have? What can I do? Find good examples. We're taught that all throughout Scripture. Summing this up, take a good look at who you are. In your character, it's important to know where you're at. You need to take a good look at who you are to know where you need to go. Spend some time listening to the people who correct you. Spend some time remembering back to what your parents or your elders have instructed you in. Spend some time reading the Bible. Spend a lot of time reading the Bible. And spend some time examining your heart. You start doing that and putting those things together, you're going to find out who you are really quickly. 
You may not like it, but you'll find out. From there, do things to keep your goals in the very front of your mind. You know, you, you need to keep those things constantly. We, we have ADD when it comes to things like this. A lot of times we'll, okay, I need to do this. Back to work. We just let it go. We need to do things to keep those at the forefront of our mind. Put a note in your pocket. Put it on your cell phone. Make a voice recording of some scriptures that you like and put it in your headphones and listen to it while you're driving to and from work. Whatever you need to do, keep it at the front of your mind. Keep your focus on that because without that, it's just going to slip away. Avoid bad influences and stumbling blocks. You know, there may be some parts of your life that need to come out. If you've ever bought a house, which I've just done, and I'm learning about this really quickly, you think, okay, well, I'm going to fix it up here. It's going to be great. Take a step back because you can't just put new paint on an old house. You got to strip away the bad first. You got to get out there and put some elbow grease and some sandpaper and some grit into it. And you got to get rid of the things that are rotted, the things that need replaced before you can put in the new things, before you can put on the new coat of paint or the nice new flooring. You got to get rid of the old first. Find the things that are bad influences. Find those evil communications, whether it be people that you are uh, engaged with, whether it be the media, music that you listen to, situations that you put yourself in that cause you to be tempted. Find those things and remove them out so that you can put some good stuff in there. Seek out accountability, advice, and examples from good sources. You know, we have a room full of good sources here today. God gave us one another as a blessing. And part of that blessing is the strength that we need to build the character that He desires in us. And we need our help. We need each other here. And if we can do that, if we reach out and actually get the help we need, let people know when we're falling down or when we just need an extra hand to make it up the hill, we're here for that. And we can do that. In Proverbs 11, verse 27, it says, He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. Favor, uh, he who earnestly seeks good finds favor. When you start putting your real focus into this, when you really start trying, you get motivated, you're going to find favor. But you have to be motivated. You have to know that this is what Jesus wants me to do. And I love Jesus. I want to fulfill His wishes. I don't want to fall short. Get that motivation. Look at it. Read those Scriptures. They will help you. And when you get motivated and you really start applying yourself, you'll find favor. You'll make it. Building your character is like building any other part of, of, of a life. It requires some thought, some planning, and a lot of elbow grease, as my dad would call it. If you earnestly seek it, you'll find favor. We can do this. We need each other's help. We need a lot of time in the Bible. And we'll succeed. This morning, if you found that perhaps you have some things in your character that are an issue, maybe you have been, you found this character issue, but you've been struggling with it for a long time. You feel bogged down. You feel like you've, you started on it and then fallen back and started on it and fallen back. And maybe you need some help. We can help you with those things. If you be in the class, come forward as we sing the invitation song.